Enough is the base from where then you can create your own definition of success. You need to know you're enough. You need to know your contentment baseline to know what you're working towards because often the things purported of the things we're looking for success is kind of like that whole let's just be happy and positive all the time the success metrics are so like shiny and let's be this thing and this thing and this thing it's like well but what if we looked for a baseline that was made us feel content made us feel joyful made us feel like what we were doing was meaningful like all of those non sort of flashy words but that and and we ground our definition of success and what we're working towards in that. This is Maestro on the Mic. A podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion and discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it popping. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro, and you're about to get maestro Three, two, one. Hello, friends, Maestro here, and welcome back to another episode of my favorite podcast. Today, I have with me someone who I recently learned is actually my twin, right? She looks nothing like me. She has probably, quite possibly, the most expressive eyebrows I've ever seen, and I'm so here for it. She has an accent that I already know you're going to love. And I brought her on today to talk about something near and dear to my heart and something that largely over the last, I don't know, six months or so has just come to the forefront of the things that I'm trying to teach and the things that I'm learning about. And I really just have, I love how she has, uh, I don't know the, the verb here, how she has dove into all of these things. She leads from the front with these things. And just her message is one that I wanted to share with all of you. Uh, if I read her little bio, uh, she is an Australian dietitian who practices with a non-diet, trauma-informed social justice, here's my favorite part, human-centered approach, front of mind. She's on a mission to support dietitians and others helping and health professionals. And I'm going to emphasize that part because we know we kind of start start talking to one specific demographic just so we can get some traction, but her message absolutely applies to anyone and everyone. And she's looking to help folks build values-based businesses where they and the humans they work with can flourish. Come on now. like, And I know that that last word there, flourish, was very intentional. So we will talk about that. Without further ado, welcome to the show, my twin, Laura Jean. Welcome, friend. Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on my favorite podcast. (laughs) Just kidding. She has her own podcast. That's her favorite. Uh, What is the name of that podcast? Dietitian Values podcast. Absolutely. We will link that and the episode that I had the honor of of being on. Just, I love our conversations. Full disclosure, Laura Jean is also in my mafia and I brought her in, oh my, I think it was like last week to talk to the crew, speak to the crew, teach the crew about uh, this values-based business and this human-centered model. And I was just like, dude, I can't wait to get you on the podcast. So I'm going to be, try to be a good host here, Laura Jean, and I would actually love to just pass the mic to you. And having heard your story before, I think it's so valuable in just giving us a, a nice starting point and a footing and really getting to understand where you're coming from with things. So you want to take it back to 
the beginning and what got you into what you're doing and what you are doing? Sure can. Well, it was morning tea time at the base hospital in Lake Ajelico and the matron had just sat down. Oh, that far? A bit further. Okay. I mean, all those words are amazing because we don't say them here in the States, so you could, you could actually keep going. <laughs> I, I've heard that story like my whole childhood. I interrupted matron's morning tea. Anywho, which I feel really bad about because I'm big about morning tea and sitting down and having your snacks. So, oh, so I do feel really, really sad about that. But anyway, let's fast forward a little bit just to get, um, just so we can keep it condensed. Um, so most of my life, I wanted to be a chef, actually, most of my childhood. So I have a big passion for food. And then I came across, went to the worst careers counselor advisor ever. Anyway, and then had to figure <laughs> it out myself because she wanted me to do microbiology. I'm here saying, mm, I wouldn't mind being a helper and a teacher. And I really love food. Help a teacher food. Help a teacher food. Microbiology. She's like, what about microbiology? I was like, "Um, okay. Wow. (laughs) So I found dietetics, which pretty much once I found it was like, uh, yeah, that sounds pretty much exactly what I was describing, but sure. Anywho, when I did that, so I've been a dietitian training, practicing. Well, I, I headed off to what we call down here, uni, college, your co- uh, college um, in 2000. So I've been doing this thing for a little while and um, jumped out of uni, fresh face, ready to quote unquote help people um, mm-hmm. to be, you know, to be quote unquote healthy um, and yeah, headed out. And so pretty soon I kind of like found, yeah, the way that I'd been taught wasn't quite the way for me. And so I found the, what what's kind of termed the non-diet intuitive eating kind of well that's one part of it that's like a trademarked piece but anyway I found this myself accidentally went down this rabbit hole um which is a whole other story around how I found that but anyway I'll keep it on this other story because I like a good tangent um (laughs) so try not to go on too many so anyway I found sort of the non-diet approach which I really loved um working away and then I had an opportunity to do some part-time work I was working I love your how you talk about the, you know, don't burn the ships because I really, um, and probably yeah. I love it because <laughs> I live it too. <laughs> don't we just love things that other people say oh, that yes. we really like? Anyway, so I love when you talk about bias. that. Yeah, absolutely. So I was working, um, I was in this terrible workplace environment, like the people were just, it was toxic. And so I started looking for other things stumbled across this part-time job, which sounded pretty good. And then I was like, and and this is probably the first time that I started thinking about the concept of enough. And I was like, crunch the numbers. Mm-hmm. Can I make this? Is this going to be, you know, um, from a financial point of view, but, you know, will it be enough um, part-time work? I figured um, it would. And worst case scenario, I can go weights and tables somewhere and make it work. Mm-hmm. So I did this, um, but at the same time, I thought, well, this is a good idea good time as any to dip into private practice um and I've always wanted to do my own business sort of things um back at uni I studied like we could do electives for our for our schooling and I chose all the marketing stream um because I thought well that'd be something I'd do later so I've always been interested in the business side of um or the opportunity to yeah do your own thing business wise Mm -hmm. um and so I thought well I was going to wait a little bit longer of course because I was definitely of the school of you've got to work you know you've got to you've got to pay your dues before you can Mm -hmm. go do your own thing so I thought it would be longer but it turned out only being like about three years anyway so I jumped into business and I loved it and I built together cobbled together this like little business with just all the things I really enjoyed after like you know took a bit of time tried a few different things out and then just 
um, paired it back to the things I loved. And so I did like a mobile nutrition service. So where I went and saw humans in their own homes or at their workplaces or in a cafe or wherever they wanted to go. Um, And they, of course, knew where we were meeting. So they were, um, for anyone getting a bit freaked out, I know you have like big, I think it's called, is it HIPAA? We don't have that here. But um, anyway. They consented, it's okay, they consented um, to where we met and so I did that and then also did corporate stuff and did, um, yeah, cooking demos and all this kind of stuff. So I really loved it. Created this business that just, yeah, was really great and was kicking along really well and then fast forward a few years and then I had to, well, I didn't have to, there was an opportunity to move interstate. Um, My partner at the time had a job opportunity and so I was like, okay yeah let's do it anyway and then I had to close up my business so that was a bit sad um headed off and so it was a bit of a pause in the business space and I thought you know easiest thing was just to go back into health um you know state-based health service because I knew that was easy there was lots of other things going on you know make it easy I also Mm -hmm. know you might like that one Mm -hmm. too um I didn't have the networks didn't have the it would have been hard to go into a whole new state a whole new city where I didn't know anyone and set up a business from scratch so I was like make it easy so I went into state-based health and with the view to get back to business and it was around this time that I came across the idea of online business so this is like 2010 so this is like the early days of it all you invented this is what you're telling me actually yes (laughs) 2010 yeah yeah. I didn't jump into business then because I'm um I like to do myself a little bit of research. Uh, oh yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so I, I started researching um and started learning everything that I could. Um some people may attribute this to a type five Enneagram. I just say it just is who I am. Um and I just researched everything. Uh well, not everything, you know, I threw away the stuff that didn't look like it was in up my alley. Um found the most kind of <laughs> what I look back on now, the most kind of values aligned um, humans I could working in that area at the time and learnt from them. And I did find some good ones. And you know who one of the people I found, sorry, this is big tangent Girl, city. I love it. was Jenny She. Um, oh my God. In like okay, that's right. I came that's across right, there was a connection her there. stuff and in the world of wild, wild online west, um, wild west of yes. the online world, like she really was like stood out anyway yeah. so there was a few other people around that time found that learn all that and did that and then launched my very first online kind of little offering in the non-diet world helping women around their relationship with food um and I launched my first program in I guess it was like two, early 2013 to a total of two participants people um and I thought that was amazing I was yeah. like I can't believe two people rock their world <laughs> yeah it was great and um did that and was and was loving it and building momentum and then mm, got pregnant um with my first child so pause button again on the business side of things and we were in a city with no no family no we had a couple of good friends but um anyway not much support so for me I really needed to pause and just focus on figuring out how to do that mum thing because I don't know anyway for all the mums out there listening and I know there are a few mums that listen yeah. um going from no zero to one was definitely the biggest transition piece for me for for kiddos so did that thing did the kid thing for a few years and then fast forward to 2018 and I was ready to get back into doing some business stuff so I jumped back into the eat, um, eat with awareness was my business kind of my mm. program that I I 
built around a way of working around, yes, yeah, supporting women with their relationship with food. And I did that for a few years, adding there like a little trip around Australia. We did a lap around Australia. So I took the business on road, um, which was very interesting for anyone, any Australians listening, you know, I'm up in the in the top end um, in, or on the western coast of Western Australia, you're trying to get internet service and things like that anyway. So um, there were definitely a few big pause moments through there. Um, come back to home, seven months pregnant with baby number three, ooh, pause, pandemic, ooh, pause. <laughs> so, you know, a few pauses, um, pandemic baby. But, yeah, so then I – but, you know, I don't believe um, – and this is not against anyone who does believe this – I don't believe – everything happens for a reason but I think that there's Mm -hmm. opportunities in the spaces when when they happen so big pause and middle of 2020 I'm looking to come back to work and now I've always just like I always and I'm and I know you've sort of seen this in me when I know I sort of have these ideas of things I'm going to do and I I do get there eventually um when I get there when things um feel aligned for me so I knew I always wanted to do private practice and I got there and then I didn't like, you know, I just, there was the time and the opportunity. And so something I've always wanted to do is work with other dietitians. When I first found online business, I thought I'm going to teach dietitians how to do online business. It's going to be so amazing. Um, and then I thought, no, 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 they're not ready for it. Okay. I'll teach them how to do the non-diet approach. And then I found out actually other people have already done that. Um, <laughs> there's, there's intuitive eating, which is like a whole trade bar thing, but yeah. I didn't know about it. I don't, I keep yeah. doing this thing myself for years. And then I came across this book about it because in Australia, it wasn't as, um, thing. anyway. Yeah. Um, and then, so I've always wanted to work with dietitians and then in 2020, we saw people really start to, um, center what, um, what has been sort of my way of working. Well, there was, you know, the, the great, everyone kind of really figuring out, oh shit, the system we live in yep. <laughs> is completely the great awakening. Yes. The great awakening. We can call such things anyway. So something that's always underpinned how I work just, um, you know, it is just what it is, is around values and, and that kind of stuff. And so I saw this opportunity. I'm not, I'm, uh, although Shantae and I are twins, I have no, um, and not, not, not physically, um, not, not looks wise. I'm, I'm white. I'm privileged as, you know, I'm, I'm white, I'm thin, I'm a woman, you know, that's my only claim to oppression. So I definitely didn't want to come into this business point of view being some sort of, highly privileged like um save the you know that kind of approach but I thought so what how do I approach business that's different what do I do differently what what where do I feel there's a space or a gap and what I felt was in the non-diet world particularly but also for uh, people who just have a bit of awareness of you know social justice of their values and things like that how to translate that comes through in how they practice, but then how to translate that into how to run a business gets people stuck. And I know it got me stuck. Like I can remember, like, how do I find out how to do this marketing thing? That's not so icky because like I Mm -hmm. said, like I was learning this stuff in like 2010, 2011, and it was a lot of icky stuff. So trying to figure that out. And so I thought, well, there's a gap. So that is where I jumped into. Okay. I've, Better be quiet now because that's no. Really- I I'm like I have so many different directions that I'm like, where do I want to take this? I think I'm gonna start by asking you about the pause 
we, we're going to talk about enough. We're going to talk about values as verbs because you've dropped all of these little gems in there. So I'm going to tease them out. But lots of pauses you brought up. And I'd love to know where your comfort with pausing came from. Because, I mean, I, don't, I didn't grow up in, in Australia. But in the United States, urgency is the ultimate, right? We know, I, at least I believe, urgency is the enemy. But here, it's, it just underpins everything. And so when people are presented with the need to take a pause, first off, they think they mean stop forever. Then they start to get anxiety around it. They feel like they're missing out. They feel like they're falling behind. And by they, I mean me too. Like I, I'm, I'm part of this. You mentioned so many times these big pauses and things like right in the beginning, like, you know, you had a new partner and then moved and you had this, you know, what I, in my mind is a really, you know, kind of booming business. And you were like, I'm going to pause, going to go travel around. What made you so okay with pausing? Um, it's a good question. I think it's probably a bit of mostly my temperament or mostly my way of, of looking at things. I've always taken things slow and I've always been a big mm -hmm. observer. And so I suppose I've just, and, and I just have trust in myself that even if I don't get back to the point of like where I was, so for example, I never, you know, built that same business again, although I, I thought about it, um, that it was, it's the opportunity to, yeah, to, to try something new sometimes, but yeah, it really, it's just that trust that something I, I can I can make something else I can make something new I can make something different um and oh I know that I'll make it that's something that works for me so that's probably been been the main thing and that I'm my natural my natural um pace is is slow I say that my um my my alter ego animal is definitely a sloth um yeah which, which, you know, some people that. find quite amusing about me, but because I sometimes come across as somebody who's like, you know, super organized and doing all the things, but actually, like, I would much rather be sitting on the lounge reading a book. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one, you just dropped the mic so hard with that and the self-trust and self-belief. And it's like, I can pause because I can start again. Like that is just so, so, so valuable what you just dropped. And I don't know if it's your, your accent or because I just, I, I, I feel like I know you, but hearing you, you know, being like, if I was an animal, it'd be a sloth is actually really comforting. Like, I don't know if I watch Nat Geo stuff or, and by watch Nat Geo, clearly I mean on Instagram, like whatever's coming across my feed, I never see sloths getting into any kind of trouble. Like they just, <laughs> they just are always in like funny videos, like trying to cross the road, taking eight years, but like somebody helps them. It's never like the other animals where they're like getting hunted down by something or they're like having some trouble. They're just like, you know what? I'm living my life. I like that. I find a lot of comfort in that. Like, I, I really like that coming from you. Like, I think other people who might hear it and be like, God, you're never going to get anything done. But hearing it from Laura Jean, I'm like, that is a great way to be. You just go <laughs> with it. Start when you're ready. I love that. I yeah it's interesting that like that that slow um temperament how we don't there's no positive like positively kind of in our in our psyche positive words for somebody who is like that you're either relaxed which means you aren't doing anything or you're lazy um mm. and and this came up because um my first daughter um is 
is is possibly also a sloth and um you know people would you know what kind of kid is she because everyone has to like put everything everyone in a box from of course. You know, birth and I was like mm, she's you can't say lazy you can't like no she's not it, she's not she just observes and does things in her own time and 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 does the focuses on the things that she loves and yeah anyway so it was really interesting totally. to try and look at go and then I've gone down a rabbit hole for all you word nerds out there there's so many words where in our in our kind of I think what's it called lexicon um mm-hmm. that that don't have positive there's no like they're so laden with judgment mm-hmm. um so there's no yes. word so that's why I often say I'm like a sloth because but even that like people think like people you said, think bad people yeah look at that and go oh they're never going to get anything done. Like that's, the, yeah. you know, they're just, I was like, bring it on. Um, but oh, it. also like I get stuff done and I can put high energy into the things. And and it's the whole dichotomy of, you know, like it's the same when people think of introvert, extrovert. A lot of people yes. are very surprised when they know me, say through Instagram or through work-based things that I'm actually an introvert um, and not an extrovert because I'm quite easily you know I can quite talk a little bit um <laughs> when it comes to work-based things and things that I'm passionate about um but I'm I'm a massive introvert and people are always surprised by that because yeah if you're yes. an introvert you're supposed to be xyz and anyway so it's very interesting but yeah the, wow. the fact there's no negative um no positive words for well, basically characteristics that supremacy culture say shouldn't be here of course um mm-hmm. there's no no positive words for it so I might have to invent one Exactly. I'm like, take it and run. Like, it's so, so true. Even like the word, I I had this discussion, I think with Ashley not too long ago about lazy. Like, I don't think lazy actually exists. Like, I think someone's, I don't know the last time I ever actually used that word to describe someone. To me, it's that they're like uninspired or unmotivated. They don't give a fuck about the thing that's in front of them. So they don't want to do that. Like, I, I am fairly certain that with these people that we have just like negatively named, you know, uh, characterized as lazy it's just like they don't give a fuck about that thing if you put something else in front of them or you allowed them to choose what they wanted they would go and do something it's like they just don't care about these things that maybe we value and so mm. or that the person passing judgment values and then they're like they're lazy and they're like they just don't fucking do that it's fine. well interesting enough there is actually a book which i haven't read it but it is on my to read list and i know you don't really read books but for the people out there who, scam, don't, don't, who don't mind book um it's called lazy lazy does not exist i think that's the title um it's by dr devon price um so they i think they released it last year anyway i've it's been on my list um to check out so that's a book to check out yeah. for you potentially i got two i got two tangents not two tangents two directions we're going to go and i'm, I'm going to come back to that but I want to jump backwards to the lexicon, to the uh, language that is, as you said, laden with uh, judgment. When I read your bio, the last word in your bio was flourish. And I know that you very strategically, specifically picked that word, right? If I read the, the, the bio again, uh, she's on a mission to support, Laura Jean is on a mission to support dietitians and other helping and health professionals to build values-based businesses where they and the human they work with, the humans they work with, can flourish. Can you tell me why you picked that word? Well, we've all heard of the word, right? I've never really thought of it in this kind of um, context. And then hat tip to Kelly Deals, who is a feminist copywriter. She talks about flourishing. And I came across when I looked it up because 
I need to research things. I may have mentioned that. Um, and the definition from the dictionary is to grow or develop in a healthy or vigorous way, especially as the result of a particularly congenial environment. And I was just like, bam, that's mm-hmm. it. Because it's growth and development, which, like I said, I really enjoy. Um, you know, learning new things, mm-hmm. um, developing new ways of doing things and developing. Um, but, you know, I like in a way that, particularly in the result of a congenial environment, which takes into account both pieces, the individual and the environment they're in, because I think a lot of the time things focus so much on the individual without recognising that the environment, the systems that we operate in have an impact. And so I was like, yes, this is it, because I want to influence both pieces. I want to plant some seeds around both pieces. Plus, I love gardening. Um, And so the idea of, to me, a flourish, like, and it says, and in brackets, it's like of a living organism. And I think humans, we forget that we are living organisms, part of nature. Um, But yeah, you just, in gardening, things flourish. and, and, And I was like, yeah humans can flourish too so I love that word I love it I love it I love that you picked that word in, in the discussion we had uh, I don't know last week about it I'm gonna take another word before I go into the other the two prongs here the another word I'd love to hear you uh, speak a bit more about uh, you dropped this very early on in the podcast today and the episode today um, and you mentioned when you were first starting to look at what enough your enough was and this is something i've talked about and maybe not talked about enough uh but can you take us through a little bit your experience with enough what it means for you why that concept is important with within the work that you do Hmm. yeah well for me i think it's always been something i've taken things back to so like and it probably started out like in childhood like you know do we have enough do we have enough Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I mean, I can tell a random story about um, as a kid, we'd go grocery shopping and, and we we always did have enough, like, you know, it's never in poverty, but it would always be like this, like, do we have enough? So there's yeah. that kind of thing's always totally. been through my, you know, through my childhood and that and looking like, do I have enough? Like, you know, sort of getting things to balance up. Plus I like to, you know, I like things to balance. And I like, I'm not balancing a bit of an illusion, but, you know, I like to kind of bring those totally. things together. And then... Um, yeah, I mentioned that experience I had where I was like, right, well, I can go do this job and I think that should be enough. And if not, if it's not, well, I can make it work anyway. Um, so probably that is where my first kind of thoughts of enough was, was, well, do I have enough? But then I can look at other ways. And then in that year, which was, geez, it was a big year when I think about it, after I moved into state. So I started like researching online business and things. But I also started um, down the rabbit hole of simple living. So around looking at... I think, oh, yeah, well, that's why. I'd watched, um, what was the movie, the Al Gore movie? I can't remember it now. I don't know why. I, uh, but the environment oh, one. The yes, really big environment. One. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, insert movie title there. Um, and um, and I was like, oh, holy, holy bajoli, right. Uh, so I sort of went down that space a little bit as well and started looking at, um, what, what is enough? What's my enough for? So I went down this sort of simple living, like slowing down, which was my natural state anyway, like I said, but, you know, making things from scratch, experiment with all that stuff. And I was thinking, and big part of that is like figuring out what is your enough? Like what is enough as far as consumption, um, and things like that. And so that was a really important piece to start that journey from and um side note why did they ruin the word journey 
on reality shows. I don't know. But anyway, it has been ruined. Can somebody please give me a word um, that means similar to that but isn't so overused? Anyway, back to the story. Uh, So, yeah, so it's always been something I've looked at, like what's my enough, like what is the – as a baseline. And because I mentioned like around being the sloth, a big part of my slothness, I feel, is contentment is my base emotion. Yes. Like people yes. often talk about, um, and, and my kids, we talk about it, you know, that because in, in our culture, it's all about being happy. For me, it's about being content. That is yes. the emotion that I resonate with the most and the mm-hmm. emotion I want to be, like my baseline, that's where I want yes. to come home yes. to is contentment. I don't want to yes. come home to happy. It's too high vibe yeah. for me for it this little high. sloth. <laughs> it is. Give me contentment any day. Um, I like, you know, I like happy. I like joy, but I like contentment. Um, and I think, I well, actually, I think I should caveat that because I think joy is found for me in contentment. So I think mm-hmm. joy infuses contentment and baseline, whereas happy is like that, like that. Yeah. Anyway, we won't I go agree. too totally. far into the language and the that sort of stuff. But I'm I'm about contentment, and contentment to me is based in enough. And then once, and the the thing that then to pivot into the work that I do, rather than just be Laura's life story about being a sloth, um, is that enough is the base from where then you can create your own definition of success. So for me, like I shared, the word that I use is flourish because to me that embodies my kind of way of thinking of success um but that is rooted um you know if we think of the gardening metaphor um but also just the way we use that word um in enough um because I feel like you need to know you're enough you need to know your contentment baseline to know what you're working towards because often the things purported as the things we're looking for success is kind of like that whole let's just be happy and positive all the time the the success metrics are so like shiny and let's be this thing and this thing and this thing. It's like, well, but what if we looked for a baseline that was made us feel content, made us feel joyful, made us feel like what we were doing was meaningful, like all of those non sort of flashy words, but that and and we ground our definition of success and what we're working towards in that. And so that is where that comes from and that's how it kind of leads into what I'm hoping to plant seeds about in the business world. So good. And I definitely believe that at least in the States, content has a borderline, if not fully there, negative connotation. It's almost, I think people uh, almost equate content and resignation. And it's like, oh, I'm just like, this is what it is, what it is. Instead of like having that fulfillment in what you have. I love that you tied joy into there. Like, I am super, super grateful that this episode is going to be at the end of, it's in the, the final month of the year, the calendar year. Because yes, that shit does matter. Like time is arbitrary, but also like we as humans do like to put things in boxes and have schedules and things like that. So we have a new year coming up. And, you know, Laura Jean had mentioned the, the great pause and the great awakening. And I think that a lot of people are coming around to this if they didn't already come around to this and this understanding and like, what is my enough? What is, what is, what does contentment look like to me? And I love that you tie it into this foundation, right? It doesn't mean that you never are going to do anything else. It never means, it doesn't mean that like you're not striving for other things, but having that as that super solid foundation. And then from there, you get to define what success looks like for 
you. That's that's phenomenal. Can you keep going with that, Laura Jean, and, and talk about, because the last thing you had said was what you wanted to bring into this space and how you want to you know, communicate things and work with people. Can you speak a little bit about helping folks uh, perhaps define for themselves success? Mm. Yeah, I absolutely can. I You just have to try and um, make me quiet at the other end. Um, <laughs> Never. Keep it going. Yeah, so where it comes from for me is, or, or the kind of the thread that, that pulls it together is connection. Mm-hmm. And so when I worked with women around their relationship with food, the piece that I always came back with was connecting, connecting with themselves, connecting with their body, connecting with their enjoyment of food, connecting with all of this stuff. And the thread that pulls all of these elements through into the business world or into this kind of um you know, if we're thinking about running a business or entrepreneurship is around connection. It's connecting back to ourselves. It's connecting mm-hmm. to our own inner kind of knowing in a very solid way. Cause like I said, I'm a bit of a, bit of a researcher, a bit of a knowledge. I do really enjoy science. I like that piece. And so some people might come at this from the, the more um, intuitive, more, um, you know, like human design or mm-hmm. things like that, those sorts of ways that are, ways of knowing that people can kind of use. And I just see values as one tool of connection to ourselves. So we can come at this and we can ground our enoughness in being connected to ourselves, like knowing ourselves, really knowing ourselves, like what is my enough? What makes me feel contented and contented joy? Not, like you said, not from that angle of resigning or settling, um, Mm -hmm. but what is enough? What's that? I feel like enough is that, yeah, like I said, that founding baseline. And from there, we can create that expansion to flourish, success, whatever word that you want to use and claim or create to describe how you would um, move into the world like and, how, and what kind of space you want to take up in the world as well, which kind of ties into. So a lot of this stuff is kind of founded in the work or the, the ways of thinking that I had around the non-diet mm-hmm. space, helping people connect to themselves and build trust and take up more space and become, be more them in, a, yes. and I know that you talk about this in James Livia, um, be more them in a, in a world that's telling them to be less. And similarly, I brought that way of working or that way of connecting to humans or helping humans connect to themselves, supporting them to creating a space where they can um, into this space. So that's my kind of vision or my, my mission for the work that I do is basically to create spaces where humans can show up as humans and create spaces for other humans to come and show up as humans. And we can all kind of, you know, work in relationship and on whatever, whatever area. So if whether it be movement, so you might be a movement professional and you show up as you, the human that is Shante, which you do really well. Um, what's the other alternative, right? Unsustainably pretending to be someone else. But we've all done it and we've all been there. And in fact, um, for health professionals, we've been trained to do so. We've been trained to separate out our professional, like to think there's some sort of um, separation, like a line between, you know, Laura the dietitian and Laura the the mum or Laura the whatever, you know, because, of course, back to those labels and boxes. And the values can be a thread to bring it all back together, I find. And it's just one way. It's one tool. It's a gateway into connection to yourself and self-trust and bringing those things together and just figuring out what kind of bloody life do you want to live and how are you going to do it? How are you going to create a way to do it? Because the world we live in, the culture we live in doesn't want us to do that. In fact, there's so many things in place to stop us from doing that. Now what? You know, like where I just feel like our values can be in and I feel like our values are really like 
a grounding way for that in because once you know your values and once you are really clear on those, it becomes very uncomfortable and very unsustainable yes. to show up in other ways. Because if yes. you've said this is me and this is what I, what I show up for and this is what's important to me and then you don't show up in that way for yourself, not for anyone else, although it can impact on trust and that's what I think is a really great trust-building tool, not as a manipulation tool but actually just builds trust. But it builds trust with yourself most importantly and I know that you talk about this often and I really love that piece, of course, confirmation bias. Um, but I think our trust in ourselves is is where it starts and that's where I started with, well, not where I started, where I hope to take women to in their relationship with food and it's where I hope to take professionals who are interested in my work to in in this is like know your values show up in those and you don't have to trust that you're the most expert marketer or the best at this thing over here but you can trust that you're the best at being yourself you're the best person who knows your values and knows how that how you are ready to show up in them in this moment based on all the resources that you have in this moment um because they they fluctuate um and that's where the pauses sometimes come in and so sometimes yeah, there are pauses and there's there's different focuses, etc. But you know, based on what's important to you, what your values are, and what resources you have available, how you want to show up in this moment, and then you get to choose. I love how easy you make it for me to be a host here because you drop the word to give me the perfect segue to go into the next things that I want to be talking about that still relate to exactly what we're currently talking about. So it's not like okay, great, thanks for the answer, and on to the next thing. <laughs> in using values, your own values the person, the individual, their own values as a a way to, uh, and the congruency there, and that is a way to establish what success means for them because they're living out their values. Uh, can you speak more about identifying values and more, more so than identifying values, how you have spoken about the fact that values are verbs, that values are filters. You just alluded to that kind of filtering um, just just right before there, but I'd love to have you keep going with this and get specific on values as verbs. I think that was a really big takeaway, especially at the mafia dinner, um, really eye-opening for people uh, in terms of like things that they value versus values. And then the congruency, am I actually showing up like this or is this like an aspirational thing that I have? Mm -hmm. I'm going to give the mic 100% to you. Take as much mm -hmm. as you need. Okay, okay. Here we go. <gasps> Deep breath. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, everyone out there for the fast talking. Uh, hopefully you can hear around the Oh, they're used to it, baby. They're used to it. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like I'm on the right podcast. Okay, let's go. Um, so, yeah. So there's a few things that aren't necessarily like different as in like you'll never hear anyone talk about this and I'm the only unique snowflake who's ever thought of it. But it comes together in a way that's unique to me, of course, because – I am a unique snowflake um, yes. around values and the way that I see it and the way, therefore, that I talk and teach it. And then I encourage you to take what resonates and create your own kind of yet yeah, um, framework around values and what that means to you, because then it's actually going to be relevant. But I think of values um, a little bit different in a couple of ways. Firstly, values versus things you value. So sometimes people um subbing the the things that we value so they're to me the kind of spaces we play out our values so our family our our work our um you know the our mission whatever our mission might be in life so they're the things we might value the things that are important to us our values are the way we want to show up in those spaces and 
often when, you know, you come across a values exercise and I know, you know, when I did just a couple of them myself over the years, um, our values uh, turn out as nouns, just single words mm-hmm. um, to, to resonate with. And I think that's a good starting point because then we can sort of think about, okay, well, what kind of word represents um, me? Um, and it's a, it's a way for anyone wanting to figure out their values is you can ask other people, like, what are five words you would use to describe me or to sum me up, you know, and you can find that as a kind of a toehold, a little, little starting point to figure out what your values are. I think that the real benefit or the real um, outcomes or change, if that's what we're looking for, or if we not changing ourselves, but if we want to do things differently, if we want things to be differently, we need to do things differently. And yeah. so we're going to do things differently. So where do we find that, that, different way of thinking or looking or acting and I think values can offer that and so when we have just these static words like you know wisdom compassion courage faith loyalty honesty like all of these Mm -hmm, words mm -hmm. they can tell us a little bit of something about us but they don't really give us any kind of guide about how to live into that um so um, you know, apart from the very, and what I find happens when we have those words is what overlays them is the cultural definition of the words or the social yes. or your family's definition of the words, you know, yes. the way that your family might've defined being honest, maybe that's just not telling a lie. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. there's, or compassion is, you know, I know we talked about this in the mafia, um, when, when I came up, you know, a compassion, particularly for people socialized as women is like, give everything that you've got <laughs> for yes. everyone else. Everything. Don't worry about you, you know? So there's very specific cultural and social definitions. Like we even were talking about earlier, which, you know, it's great how threads come back in about words. And what I think is really helpful from two ways. One is we can create our own way that we live into that word by thinking about, well, okay, well, if my value, one of my values is compassion or one of my values is fairness, what does that actually look like to me? How do I want to show up embodying that word? And so people might say this thing about me or people might observe this thing or I might think this thing about me. Um, And so, but how do I actually want to show up in that? How do I want to act? How do I want to bring, if that is a value that's important to me, how do I actually want to bring that up so that when people look at what I do, that's the word they see. Um, And also, well, not that they see you as words, but you know what I mean. Yeah, Um, I 100% actually really loved that. I was (laughs) like, I love how you said that. They see you as a human embodying that word, hopefully. Um, And also you can then, by wrapping um, action-based words around it um, or words that describe or or words that turn that into a thing that you want to show up as, um, it creates a way for you to know then. So then, like you said, I I do talk about it, how values can be a decision-making guide. Values can be a filter. When you know how you actually want to show up in your values, they become something really useful. Not only do they give you something to aspire to, because while action um, values are verbs, actionable, they're also aspirational, you know. We're never going to get mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not mm-hmm. goals. I think this is a really important differentiation as well. You create these values and sometimes they sound a bit goaly, like, you know, like like a, like a place to get to, but they're not. They're aspirational. Um, and what we want to do is to show up embodying them in this moment to create a world that actually embodies them in the bigger picture. So we embodying yeah. them um, and and also another, I suppose, important caveat, not to force our values on other humans, yes. but we act and show up as ourselves and what we truly, what matters to us and, and what we, what are our priorities 
in the ways of being and we, and we put that out into the world and we create spaces where other humans can then go, well, hey, this is what I, these are my values and maybe I can start showing up in those. And that's one of the biggest things that I want to create with the work that I put out is that, hey, I'm a dietitian and this is how I show up in the world. And if you're a dietitian or a helping or a health professional, because most allied health professionals, you know, we kind of um, painted with the same kind of all that mm-hmm. stuff about professionalism, all those pieces. I want to just mm-hmm. plant a seed that, hey, maybe for you that maybe I can show up in this way because not showing up as ourselves is unsustainable. And it is really, I think, one of the reasons we have such high burnout in health professions because we're asked to show up in this way that, is dehumanizing for us and dehumanizing for the for the people we want to work with and the people we want to so-called quote-unquote help there's a lot of problems with that word too um and when we come back to our values it can give us so then what we find is so it's like well I don't want to do that you know hands up all the all the health and helping professionals out there who have gotten to that point that crossroad in their in their profession or in their business or whatever, where it's like, I know what I don't want to do. I know who I don't want to be. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. It doesn't work yeah. for me. Now what? And values are an opportunity to, to figure out the now what. It's like, well, if I don't want to do that and I don't want to do that person. So yeah, you can go get another job. Yeah, you can go build a business based on all of these things other people are doing without a pause, which is, I do love my pause. Here we go without a pause to actually respond from like, who do I want to be in business? How do I want to shop? If I'm leaving my job because it doesn't work for me, there's no point. And I know I posted about this a few weeks ago. There's no point creating my job version of a business, like my business version of a job and just doing the same thing, showing up as the quote unquote dietitian, quote unquote physio PT, I think you call them, um, you know, whatever it might be. And doing that and and replicating the same system like I see so many dietitians who leave work you know running a clinic or whatever and then go and go and start working in a GP clinic um, which is doctor here um, a doctor's clinic or Mm -hmm. like go and start work doing just doing something that's similar but just for yourself now like the difference in the freedom and the flexibility and the um, true I think possibilities of going into business or being an entrepreneur are not in creating and doing the same things just in a slightly different way for yourself. And and then we see so many people then burn out from the business and then it's That's like, well, it. maybe I just, oh, I, I'm not cut uh-huh. out to be a dietitian, P, a physio, PT, insert profession here. Um, so it's not for me. So then they leave the profession and we lose so many amazing humans. And so if we could just have this pause, just a pause at go. either of those moments, either when people are jumping, well, I would love it to be when people are figuring out the physio, dietitian, podiatrist person they want to be at the start um, and actually going, I'm this, I'm this values-based human first who happens to also has these expertise as a dietitian and a physio versus I'm dietitian Laura, you know, like yes, that label. That. So we could start from there, I think would be really helpful, but in lieu of being able to infiltrate all teaching institutions in the world, um, we could also have just pauses at other points. So maybe it's when you're thinking of taking that step from employment into a business, or maybe you've been doing business for a while and you're like, something's not quite working. So there's an opportunity for a pause. Or maybe it's when you're at that precipice, and I do work with people at that precipice of, do I even want to be an insert profession here Mm -hmm. anymore? Um, Mm -hmm. Where's the space for me? 
And one of what I think to to absolutely blatantly toot my own horn because I think we Do should. Do it. Um, one of my superpowers, I think, is to open people up to the possibilities of what can be a game. Um, and that is one of the things that I do in my work. And I think that values can really support that. Um, I love it. I'm going to do a quick summary and then I'm going to have you, I'm going to continue with that in saying what you actually do now. But this, I'm, I'm as, as you're speaking, I'm writing down, like I'm looking at the time because I'm like, I want something in there to be the teaser for this episode because it's so good. It is something I see all the time as people come and talk to me about this. We saw it happen with the Great Pause and the Great Awakening and then people jumping right back into the same shit from before because what's familiar we feel is safe, even if what from, what's familiar is total shit. But this idea of values and burnout and when we're not able to actually live into our values, we start to see that burnout. And then we try to have a solution, which is, you know, I'm going to work for myself in this case. And then I'm going to build the same exact thing as before because it's all I knew and I, I, I burned the ships and I got to make something real fast and I got to succeed and pay the bills. And I've just built this thing that is 100% not going to be sustainable because it is not aligned with my values. But I'm not really sure of my values because I didn't take the time to think about them because if I do, then I'm going to be considered a sloth and that is negative. Mm-hmm. So I just keep going and going and going. Everything you just said is so, so good, Laura Jean. Just so you folks know, I call Laura Jean Laura Jean. It's actually her whole name. <laughs> she has a middle name as well. But I thought for quite some time that Laura Jean, because, you know, in the States we have people with two names. It's usually a hyphen, but still thought it was her first name. And then she came in the mafia and was like, just so you know, Jean is my last name. And I was like, well, good to know. But she said it was okay to call her Laura Jean. It just rolls off the tongue. So she gave me permission, and that's why. I, I call her Laura Jean and she refers to herself as Laura. Uh, if any of you are listening and picking up on that and you're like, why are there two different names? But that is why. Laura Jean, can you keep going? You alluded to it at the end there. You know, this is what you help people with. What do you do? What do your days look like? How can people work for, with you, learn from you? Tell me all the things. Unfortunately, my days involve a lot of poo bum wiping because I also am a mum to three children. Not all of them require my assistance, but that is a big part of my day. So I'm just going to put it out there because it really is a focal point right now. Anywho, I also do a lot of gardening, but also for work. Um, But I lead with that because my life is set up around what I want to do. So... I want to be in the garden. So that's what I do in the day. Do I get my business stuff done? Well, some days, some days not, but that's okay. Cause I'll get there. Like, it's okay to have pauses in my, like mini pauses too. I know I'll get there. If I say, if, if it's something that's, and this is really a beautiful thing about values, because when you use your values to set, like maybe your plan in your business or whatever, there's not that feeling of like, Oh my God, I've got to get this thing done because you've said, to yourself like in this process like this is me and this is how I want to show up and that's a thing I want to do to, to put that out in the world so eventually well, this is gonna happen because you've said this is who I am and how I show yes. up and therefore that's an extension of that so it does help to it doesn't take it away you know automatically it's no magic wand but you know I was just thinking about that tangent mm-hmm. as I was bringing that up because Absolutely. that piece is there like if if you're clear on your values, then you're going to put out in the world things that support people based on that. So that does help to take away that urgency. So um, what I do basically is very nebulous uh, in some ways, but basically I support people to build 
businesses or to adjust their business or create businesses that are what I call values-based as just a really easy way to condense a whole lot of things into one little term because again as humans we love we love the elevator pitch you know I remember when I first started out in business like what's your elevator pitch you've got to say it in a small amount of time it's like well do I gotta (laughs) do I gotta I've got more words than that but anyway so for the elevator pitch uh, is pretty much what you know what you said in my my bio that I support people to create values-based business to flourish in um it's as much as a conversation starter as anything because it's like values what uh, flourish what <laughs> what's mm-hmm. flourish what? right. does that mean anything um what about success so it's pretty much a pick your own <laughs> choose your own adventure I suppose but I do have structure peeps um so I I run programs I um I've got some workshops, et cetera, that I do for people who might want to taste her, like what's this lady about? Mm-hmm. Um, I've got an on-demand workshop people can look at. But also I just um, provide one-to-one support. I kind of think of myself as a human holding space for other humans who happen to be doing this business thing and want to figure out what the heck they're going to do. Um, and it's not specific strategy necessarily, but strategy comes from values. So once we know your values, we can move that in. Or maybe you know your values, but you need help in like, well, how does that even relate to my business? Or maybe you're at one of those nebulous points where you're like, mm, I don't even know if I want to be a physio, dietitian, PT anymore. What am I going to do? And so I use values as the tool that's in, but pretty much my work is supporting people to connect to themselves, what's really important to them what their enough points are and create their own definition of success so they can run the businesses that they want and build the worlds they want to see um, or at least plant the seeds for such things. I love that. What is the quote? Uh, planting seeds for a... Yeah, from Ada Conroy. I heard this on a on a podcast actually um, and they said, yeah, I'm, I'm planting seeds for a forest I may never get to spend time in. And oh, I repeat that to good. myself often because oh, sometimes you can feel like, Am I, you know, am I, am I achieve, you know, quote unquote, am I achieving? Am I making a difference? Am I doing a thing? I don't know. Um, it's not necessarily mine to know. And and as James Olivia would say, it's not none of my business. <laughs> my business go. is what I do and what is I'm it? putting out in the world. And our values can shape that. Our values create, you know, the edges of our boundaries. The values create our commitments to our boundaries. Our values create. But they can also be specifically like literally create, you can create a marketing plan, you can create a business plan from your values um, because your values yeah, found, are a foundation for all of those pieces of business. So yes, there's some pieces of what I do that's that very much connection working in values, but it actually is also super practical because I'm also quite a practical, logical person as well. Yes. I really exactly. am about meeting humans where they're at, where they're at on their stage. I'm not going to use the J word, where they are out on, at. And and we use values as an in to uh, opening up the possibilities of how to shift if that's what they want or how to just see, how to get a bit of a picture of where they're at and what the possibilities could be. Um, and then... Hopefully then that gives them the opportunity to make the the choice that works for them in this moment based on the values they're showing up in this moment and the resources they have in this moment, the the, possi- the, the choice from those possibilities of of where they might go or what they might do. Oh, I love this. Obviously I love this. Confirmation bias, twin, like I, I love all of this. If they, if they, if the folks listening, and of course we'll link it so if you're driving, don't crash. Uh, if they want to check it out, find more what's the like the where do they do where do they go well I probably um well I, I 
talk the most on my podcast. I post the most over on Instagram, but I also have a website. So there's all the places. Dietitian Values is where you'll find me everywhere. So at Dietitian Values. And like you said at the start, I talk to dietitians because I am one, um, but all that I share is very transferable. And being from health, allied health profession, like I have a pretty good lay of the land around that kind of stuff. Um, So I'm at Dietitian Values in all those spaces, the Dietitian Values podcast and dietitianvalues.com. Um, where you can find out a bit more of me about me. We will link all those things. Question for you, Lorjean. Do you see yourself changing that? It'd be fucking annoying, but do you see yourself changing that name? I'm not sure. Look, I went, I was thinking of being like, you know, doing the whole Laura Jean thing initially, but Laura Jean's taken. There's a few already Mm -hmm. some Laura Jean's. Mm -hmm. as a musician here in Australia. There's all sorts of people called Laura Jean first and last name and I think there's some people in the US who are called Laura Jean first oh. middle name um so yeah I I don't know possibly but you know that's my route I'm a dietitian I talk about values too so maybe I did think about the names but I suppose it's it's not my business name it's the it's the framework that I'm practicing under at the moment I just run my business under my own name um but yeah so probably at some point um because I know that people get a little bit yeah like oh well, is that for me and I know like look, mm-hmm. you know the thing is is that I will eventually probably attract people around the edges um and absolutely like, when I when I came across your work I was like the yeah. movement maestro like exactly well, I'm not a PT but um <laughs> everything you shared was like twinning um so I was like oh and I know I reached out to you even when I was thinking about joining the mafia. Yep. I was like, do you just talk about like physical therapy stuff? Like, uh, they never uh, talk about that. So well, you know, and sometimes there is, but there's still value. Gosh, the Anna Hartman's talk I found so interesting. Yes. It was all about bodies and PT. And I'm like, I don't even do this stuff, but wow. And I didn't even yes. know if, I, if you're a physio PT, like, wow, you just must be on the edge of your seats because this is super interesting. <laughs> I don't even use this stuff, but I have a body. So it's, it's applicable. Um, <laughs> So anyway, so yes, so eventually probably I imagine, I, you know, I imagine that the trajectory of my business will eventually be that I, I find a name that's a bit more encompassing. But I know that humans um, that resonate with this work will be able to see beyond the Absolutely. label because it's what it's all about is creating, um, yeah, is going beyond that and just being humans within our work and creating spaces for humans and building a better world for humans. Absolutely. Or, yeah, doing things differently, so. Are you finding yourself, so I am, what's the word I want to use? I'll just, I am currently finding myself within the nutrition diet space, just because of people I coach. It's something I really don't care about. It's never, you know, it's not, it's not my my thing, right? But I'm finding myself seeing a lot of stuff around it simply because of the people I've attracted. And uh, now I, I, they're all, my, my, my feed gets filled with them. I may I will... have shared your feed a couple of times. <laughs> I'm Sorry finding a lot that. of these people. <laughs> and I think, you know, it makes sense because a lot of what I'm preaching is choice. Uh, and that's that's something that people are like, you know, kind of latching onto it. But I also f- see, find, feel a lot of like contempt and anger and just like animosity and, and just like, I don't even know, just not all negative words in this space. And there's a lot of like, uh, when people talk about, anti-diet uh an anti-diet culture and, and diet culture rather an anti-diet and there's a lot of like it's a lot of things are unsettled in that space when i hear you speak and the things you talk about i don't feel that energy 
And I almost, I'm like, where does the, the non-diet side of things play into your work? Does that come up a lot? Like what, what is that for you? Yeah, I think that there is a lot. And I think that what I see in the space is, is the, is the, the overlaying of cultural values within a space that's trying to be different. So Mm -hmm. the Mm non-diet space, I mean, it came out of, um, well, the body positivity, which is kind of been hijacked anyway there's a lot of a lot of shit's mm-hmm. gone down in that space yeah. um and there's a lot of people feeling some sort of way about it uh, as you would say and and that's another thing that this is sort of like an opportunity for dietitians in there that maybe aren't really sure about their space maybe aren't really sure about ah, mm-hmm. how what they stand for like not stand for sorry able language what they show up for how they show up how they yeah. how they practice that that fits in like where's the space for me so I think this values work can help for that how it works for me is as I just think that a lot of people working in the non-diet um or I don't say anti-diet because I don't like to talk about what I'm like I'm, yes. I don't do diets but I'm not anti because anti-diet mm-hmm. okay so a little tangent anti-diet to me makes us look at like the person dieting I'm mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. and I'm like about not using diets as a tool for humans um creating spaces where they can see again possibilities so my work's always been when I've worked in that space not telling people you can't diet um mm-hmm. but creating spaces of opening them up to possibilities there are other options if they want them mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. I don't have anyone's answers I don't have the answers to anyone mm-hmm. anyone's life anyone's things and so what I see is the same basically let's name it the same characteristics of supremacy culture being overlaid yes. in that world the same way as the same character characteristics are in health world so all these humans yes. from health world have gone over into this space this non-diet anti-diet anti-diet culture whatever you want to call it intuitive eating space and brought with them the same shit um mm-hmm. and trying to um and not everyone and and not everyone even just to discern and differentiate humans but yeah. Yeah, so you can practice from that framework with your own values and with values centered in that way of working, or you can practice in that framework with the same supremacy culture values that are everywhere. So that's what I see as a like a very quick thing is that humans are in that space and just haven't had the pause, haven't taken the pause. They've (laughs) kind of found this way and gone, absolutely, this helped. And a lot of the time it's again, I'll name it, and this isn't a blame shaping. Yeah. It's thin white women who've had issues with their own eating, finding this tool super helpful for them personally and using it as a tool to, quote, unquote, change the world because we are all, like, um, you know, we're all, in, in the health professionals where we're kind of really influenced by that helping um, paternalism, um, benevolent contempt kind of framework. And so then it gets overlaid on top of this um, approach. It's This is... What I see as the real shift is is just breaking that down and starting with a new foundation, which to me is values, um, what your values are, what are the values you practice yes. by, and creating that as a way to overlay whatever you do, whether you work. See, the thing is, is I've always practiced from this non-diet way, but I've done it in, in health systems. Like, yes, I haven't been a bariatric surgery dietitian, um, which is would be a very tricky place to overlay some of these values, but I... I've always had it in all the places I've practiced. I've created ways of practicing that worked with the values that I wanted to show up with rather than leave my values at home and come and show up 
and and you know and 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 uphold the status quo and I understand that's unique and I recognize it as that Mm -hmm. is not something everyone can do have resources to do or have the safety to do and so I'm Mm -hmm. not saying everyone just go out and do that um so to me it was really a natural progression to 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 found like have my values be the foundation when I went into the non-diet space it's just not always the case and so we see the same values um and and people it's it's not intentional necessarily people don't know what they don't know people haven't had the great pause or any pauses like the 300 and you know billion that I've had through my career in life (laughs) to actually just stop and think what who am like how do I want to show up in this but it's that urgency that again has been a theme that we've talked about through the the chat as well is like find this thing okay now I've got to run with it now I've got to do this now I've got to put it out there um and I've got to do this thing and this thing's the only way. And there's not that opportunity to stop and pause and yet yeah, reground it in your values and think about, well, what's going on? And yeah, we're a bit reactive as, as, as humans, but I mean, that's intentional, right? So that we don't think um, that we keep upholding the status quo. Well, that's my theory on it. So yeah, there's, there is a lot going on there. Um, and I just see it as those same characteristics being overlaid in just in a different way of practicing in some cases that that might be causing a lot of the things um plus you've got humans in there um and where there's more than one human unless you uh bring it back to relating um Mm -hmm. and if we kind of looking for the rules and and i think too like dietitians we love well humans like like control like rules like set way of doing things and so a lot of the times is we overlay yeah just overlaying those values and ways of working with trying to do things differently but ending up kind of doing things the same in some ways that with a couple of tweaks you know that 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 man i just love it you bring everything so full circle um you know before we started the podcast i was saying to you that i really wanted to speak have you speak about pausing because it's I think it's one of your superpowers. And I love that in the beginning you said, like, part of it is just, this is just how I am. Like, this is my disposition. And you've leaned into that and, you know, had no qualms with that or seemingly had no qualms being like that. Um, and it really is, to me, a superpower because it affords you these opportunities. Yes, of course, privilege, da, da, da. I get it. I'm Honestly, I'm almost just so annoyed. I had a conversation yesterday or two days ago with James Olivia about that. And certain things I just they go without saying. I'll say them, but also I'm getting fatigued with saying it. Like <laughs> there's privilege in everything. And there's also, you know, the other side for everything it goes without saying. But this pause that you have, that you're so comfortable with, it's phenomenal. It's rare. And it truly is just a place where we can, you know, flourish from we can identify things from it doesn't have to be you know a zillion hours long i actually think i just put a story up yesterday and talking about responding versus reacting and the way that we respond versus react is by having a pause mm-hmm. and if you for all of my movement professionals out there how do we do that with the breath right we talk about i'm trying to think who the quote is even from but the difference between uh, anxiety and excitement is often a breath so that you can have a moment to say what is this that i'm feeling and identify it name it and then we can move forward that. And physiologically, the, the response is very similar. But Lord Jean, you embody this. You you live this. And when you came in the mafia and said about like, you know, come almost like a seven-year pause that you had, I was just like, who is this chick? What? Like, Well, I was madly amazing. researching and, you know, collecting things in the background, which is which is my general MO. It's <laughs> I'm amazing. I'm usually, you know, working towards or, or kind of, you know, 
there's things generally happening yeah. in my slothness underneath, and I'm sure sloths have a very rich. Inner they get life. shit done, and they live. They're not like, if, they, if they weren't, they would just be all dead on the side of the road. So clearly, they're doing something right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Clearly, they're doing something right. I love this, and I love that you just you know clarified there too. Like for those of you listening, pause. It doesn't mean like complete stop, do nothing, and then you're dead. Like it. There's so many. There's just so such nuance to to everything. And you know, Lordine just saying, like taking she during that time, she's researching, she's thinking about these things, she's putting things into play. She's also just gathering a ton of information that will somehow, if we refer back to that spirality episode, will somehow come back and be useful in some way, shape, or form as she moves forward. Especially as she has that her values as that filter uh, as she goes goes through things. Just ah, oh, this is so good, Lord Jean. This is so good. My arms are in the air right now. It's so good. It's so so good. It's so good. I'm looking at the time. Uh, we're over the. I try to keep it like around an hour or so. So I, I probably should wrap us up. Uh, so I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna ask you the last question. And one of the things you had said during the mafia, you know, take as many words as you need. So I'm gonna during the mafia call, take as many words as you need. So I'm going to give you the last question and please take as many words, use as many words as, as you need and as you want. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to, anything else that you'd like to leave the people with? Well, you've just said that I can take all the words. So there you go. <laughs> settling people, grab your cup of tea. We're going to be here for a bit longer. No, just joking. Um, this is actually a, a, a post that I did a while ago actually it was inspired by listening to one of your podcast episodes because I was just thinking about I knew you were going to ask me this question so I put down a few options of things that I could say as my last thing depending mm-hmm. on what I think because I like to have options possibilities I love it. um and yeah it was it was a really long time ago you did this podcast episode about was about was referring to Donald Miller's story brand and stories but mm-hmm. it, it tweaked mm-hmm. something in me and I and I made a post about it and I said that um, at some point, I'm going to quote me. <laughs> I love it. Quote me, quote me. Um, at some point, you've got to stop reading everyone else's story and start writing your own. Um, yes. And I think the values are the plot outline potentially for all my readers out there because I, I really enjoy reading other people's stories. <laughs> but at some point, yeah, so you've good. got to got to do it. And I think your values are a way to do that. So like you said, you know, we can think about the privilege we've got, we can think about this. And this is something that you really helped me articulate because my brain just always went to the now what? Like I mm-hmm, sort of mm-hmm. always thought this is a thing that's happening. Okay. And I, I I went that next step. And you really helped me to see that not everyone does that, that people get yeah. stuck and stop in the this is what's happening and don't go that next piece. So it's something I've been really um yeah, really conscious of articulating that out loud because it just happens naturally in my mm-hmm, head and mm-hmm, I go to the yeah. next step, the now what. So, yeah, we can see what's happening. We have privilege. We have systems that fucking suck and dehumanise. Now what? Like yes. what are we going to do? Like how do you want to show up? What kind of world do you want to work towards creating? Because just like that um, that quote, we're not, you know, it, it's aspirational. Like who do you want to be? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What, what do you want your business to to show or say about you? And I know I gave this as a little exercise or I mentioned it in the mafia is like, if you want a way to figure out your values for anyone listening and this has intrigued you and you're curious, sit down and write the speeches that somebody is going to say at your 80th birthday or at your funeral, if you don't mind getting the tears out and being a little bit that focus, 
people feel some sort of way about funerals. They used to yeah, use funeral and so I was like, oh my gosh, people can't see past they, the funeral. Uh, like they're dead now. So that's it. Exactly. <laughs> 80th, okay. He's like, I don't care what anyone says about me. I'm dead. What? So 80th birthday, happy birthday. Um, and think about what you want people to say to you. Like people that are important, like those, you know how I said like the difference between values and what you value. So think about humans from spaces you value and write a speech for them all. It can just be a couple of sentences. It can you can go all in if you really want. Like if you really want to embody the experience of the 80th birthday, but it can just be a few sentences and look there, start there, because all of us kind of have this idea of you know we talked about time being arbitrary. That you know we've just got all this time, and we do, but every moment can can have you know impact. Not as in we have to use every moment and like grind. Because I hope you know everyone listening by my slothness um, emphasis that that's not what I'm about anyway mm-hmm. but it can be important to us yes. to us it doesn't have to be important and impactful to the world around us every single moment of our time but it's important and impactful to us it has meaning yes. in our life and that's where our yes. values can support us to do that um, so start there so my my words would leave with you to start there start with values um, whether you work with me around values, whether you just go out and do your 80th birthday slash funeral exercise, whether you just stop and pause after listening to this episode and just think, hmm, what values am I showing up in? And just start observing, start becoming aware and, and start looking for what's showing up for you. Start there. God, so good, Laura Jean. I hope that wasn't too loud on the thing. I'm looking at the little, the little, uh, the thing on, uh, I don't know, the waveforms oh, yep. on we get to the top, I think we're okay. But that was so just everything here. So good. Full circle. Everything threaded together. Just I go into episodes. I'm very specific, you know, with who I bring on the podcast. And I'm like, I want people that I'm going to learn from people that I want to talk to and people that can carry the conversation. I don't have to do much because it's not about me. It's about them. And I go in thinking something. And then it's episodes like these that just like, blow it out of the fucking water. And I'm like, it was everything I wanted and hoped for and expected and anticipated, but like times 11 billion. So, so, so good, Laura Jean. I am so grateful just for you, for you, for the, your presence, the things that you share, the way that you're willing to show up, your pauses, your eyebrows, the kids, the bread that you share, just all of it. Thank you. So good. So, Thank so you. good. You are so welcome. You folks listening, thank you. We know you could have been doing anything else and you chose to listen to us. And for that, we are both, I'm going to speak for Laura Jean. She can, she can disagree, but we're both uh, endlessly, endlessly grateful for that. If you liked this episode, if you're picking down, picking down, picking up what Laura Jean is putting down, do me a solid. Number one or part one, Take a pause. Think about it. Reflect. Think about the things that Lord Jean, especially the last things that she just said. And then, however long, take as long as you need. After that, share this episode with someone who you think might enjoy it. Someone who you think perhaps it'll resonate with. All right? I appreciate you endlessly. All right. That is all I got for you this time. One more time, Lord Jean. Thank you so much. Until next time, friends, Laura Jean and Maestro, 